Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Black History Moment with Bo. And who's Bo? I am Bo. Not internationally known, just an old man with a microphone. But if you listen to me, I'm going to put something in your eardrum to cultivate your brain. Something that won't make you go, mm-hmm but it'll make you go, damn. Things you can talk about in the barbershop. Things you can talk about in the beauty parlor. And there'll be some things that you will not believe. But Black History Moments is about fact. We are about truth. And spreading those two things to you. I know this is the month of Thanksgiving, but what has that got to do with us? Did we have anything to do with Columbus coming to Americas? Oh yes, it's a day we give thanks to God for our families and the fact that we all get together and gorge ourselves on turkey and sweet potato pie. Well, I'll tell you something that's not a secret. I give thanks every day and gorging myself on anything is something I stopped doing years ago. What I'm telling you, friends, is that this is not the year for that craziness. With this pandemic going on, I would rather miss your feet from under my table and have you next year than to gather with you now and then again at your funeral in January. So sit back for a few minutes. And we're going to slip into darkness. And I'm going to tell you the truth about the pilgrims, the truth about Columbus and the colonists, and how as black people we got caught up in this madness. A well-known Italian by the name of Christopher Columbus is honored with a federal holiday on the second Monday of every October. They claim he was a hero. But in reality, he was a tyrant. Columbus saw indigenous Americans as obstacles. And he encountered these people throughout his voyages. But there are three main sources of controversy involving his interactions with the indigenous people that he labeled Indians. The use of violence and slavery. The forced conversion of native peoples to Christianity and the introduction of a host of new diseases that would have a long-term effect on native people in the Americas. This was a time when the international slave trade was starting to grow. On his famous first voyage of 1492, Columbus landed on an unknown Caribbean island after a three-month journey. His first day in the New World, he ordered six of the natives be seized, writing in his journal that he believed they would be good servants. In his years in the New World, Columbus enacted policies of forced labor in which natives were put to work for the sake of profit. As governor and viceroy of the Indies, Columbus imposed iron discipline 
on what is now the Caribbean country of Dominican Republic. In response to native unrest and revolt, Columbus ordered a brutal crackdown in which many natives were killed in an attempt to deter further rebellion. Then he ordered their dismembered bodies to be paraded through the streets. A number of settlers lobbied against him at the Spanish court, accusing Columbus of mismanagement. And in 1500, the king and queen sent a royal administrator to detain Columbus and his brothers and had them shipped home, where he lost his governorship and all of his prestige. This is the guy we have a federal holiday for. The guy that brought a lot of diseases to people of color. But if we go back a few years before Columbus's maiden voyage, starting with the Spanish Inquisition in 1478, the white European Franciscan Brotherhood of the Catholic Church designed a plan to expel all black Moors and Muslims out of Spain. Their plan was to gain world power and destroy the existence of black people's domination of the world and black people's achievements and destroy and cover all the ancient records, books, monuments, statues, and things that prove that black people were the originators of all great civilizations throughout the four corners of the world. You have often heard me say, our history was not stolen, just covered up. And greatly by the Catholic Church, because it was needed to educate Europe into the ways of civilization, and white people treasured it and kept it in museums and private collections. Some people think those first blacks in Virginia were considered as servants, like the white indentured servants brought from Europe. But the real truth is, although they were listed as servants and slavery hadn't been legalized as of yet, it quickly developed because they were viewed and treated differently as slaves, whether it was hatred, pity, or contempt that accompanied the inferior position of blacks in America for the next 350 years, the combination of inferior status and derogatory thought we now call racism. Everything in the experience of the first white settlers acted as a pressure for the enslavement of blacks. The Virginians of 1619 were desperate for labor to grow enough food just to stay alive. Remember what I told you about the necessity of slavery? One is that you don't know how to do something, and two is that you're too lazy to do something. And you know they knew what to do. They knew for a couple hundred years and watching the Indians survive. But anyway, they were desperate for labor to grow enough food just to stay alive. And some of them had even survived through the 1609 to 1610, which was called the starving time, where they were so craved for food, they roamed the woods looking for nuts and berries. And this is the inhuman part. They dug up graves to eat the corpses. <laughs> 
and died in batches until 500 colonists were reduced to 60. They couldn't force the Indians to work for them as Columbus had done. They were outnumbered, sure, (laughs) and they had firearms, which they could have massacred some Indians. But when it was all said and done, they would be killed. They could not capture them and keep them enslaved because the Indians were tough, resourceful, and at home as the transplanted Englishmen were not. Black slaves was the answer, and it was natural for them to import blacks as slaves, even if the institution of slavery would not be legalized for several decades. By 1619, a million blacks had already been brought from Africa to South America and the Caribbean, to the Portuguese and the Spanish colonies to work as slaves. You see, their helplessness made enslavement of our ancestors easier because the Indians were on their own land, the whites were in their own European culture, and the blacks had been torn from their own land and culture, forced into a situation where the heritage of language, dress, custom, family relations was bit by bit obliterated, except for the remnants that blacks could hold on to by sheer persistence. Was their culture inferior and so subject to easy destruction? Inferior in military capability, yes. Vulnerable to whites with guns and ships, yes. But in no other way. Except, now listen to this, Cultures that are different are often taken as inferior, especially when such a judgment is practical and profitable. Hey, even militarily, while the Westerners could secure forts on the African coast, they were unable (laughs) to subdue the interior and had to come to terms with its chiefs. My friends, the African civilization was as advanced in its own way as that of Europe. And in certain ways, it was more admirable. But alas, it also included cruelties. Africa had a kind of feudalism like Europe based on agriculture. African feudalism did not come out of slave societies of Greece and Rome, which had destroyed ancient tribal life. In Africa, tribal life was still powerful with a community spirit. What's the saying? It takes a whole village. Where did that come from? And that community spirit gave them more kindness in laws and punishment. But slavery did exist in the African states, and it was used by Europeans to justify their own slave trade. Slaves of Africa was more like the serfs of Europe. In other words, like most of the population of Europe. 
It was a hard servitude, but they had rights which slaves brought to America did not have, and they were altogether different from the human cattle of the slave ships and those damn plantations. In Africa, a slave might marry, own property, himself own a slave, swear an oath, and ultimately become heir to his master. They become adopted members of the family, and in time, his descendants so merged and intermarried with the owner's kinsmen that only a few would know their origin. But now we can't say African slavery was a good thing, but it was far different from plantation or mining slavery in the Americas that were lifelong, morally crippling, destructive of family ties, and without hope of any future. Do you understand what happens to a man when the hope of his future is removed? He becomes so zombie-like. Every day we plan on what we're going to do tomorrow, next week, when our vacation time comes around. To have this removed, that is the cruelest thing one human being could ever do to another. Real atrocities are done to the mind. African slavery lacked two elements that made American slavery the most cruel form of slavery in history. The limitless profit that comes from capitalistic agriculture, the reduction of the slave to less than human status by the use of racial hatred with that relentless clarity based on color, where white was master, black was slave. The fact is, because they came from a settled culture of tribal customs and family ties of community life and traditional ritual, that African blacks found themselves especially helpless when removed from this. They were captured in the interior, frequently by blacks caught up in the slave trade themselves, sold on the coast, then shoved into pens with blacks of other tribes, often speaking different languages. By 1800, 10 to 15 million blacks had been transported as slaves to the Americas, representing one-third of those originally seized in Africa. Africa, our motherland, lost 50 million human beings to death and slavery in those centuries that we call the beginning of modern Western civilization. At the hands of the slave traders and the plantation owners.
in Western Europe and America, the countries deemed the most advanced in the world. You know, as I sit here and think about this, I really realize that we started from nothing. 250 years of free labor. That means the slave owner passed his slaves down to his son. His son got richer because he acquired more slaves. Then he passed his slaves down to his son, which got richer yet. And he purchased more slaves. And when he died, he passed those slaves down to his next heir, which was what? The next great-great-grandson of the original slave owner. And this was just three or four generations here. Imagine how many generations you can get out of 250 years. So now this slave owner is sitting on the veranda drinking mint juleps and thinking about world travel to Europe and seeing the rest of the world and doing everything that he desires to do and has never broken a sweat. And he's so thankful to his ancestors that he has their picture hanging off the walls of the mansion. And what do we have? Like I said, we started from nothing. When we got here, we were used to community life. But now, we didn't even know where our wives were, where our children were. We were housed with other people that looked like us, but that spoke a different language. And if we ran across somebody that spoke our language, we were beaten and told not to never speak our language again. Our sons knew a little about the motherland from what we told them. And they knew a little of the language, but they had to keep it in secret. His son knew nothing of our land, of his grandmother, of his great uncles and aunts. He had no idea where they were or if they existed. He knew our language and heard that we had at one time spoken a different language, but he knew nothing of that. The only life he knew was the field and the shack he had to sleep in. Remember, your name is Toby. My name is Kenta. Your name is Toby. My name is Kenta. Trying to hang on to one piece of his heritage given to him by his great-grandfather, who was tall and a proud, pure African. They say, we've came a long way, baby, but have we really? How many of us even know our great-great-grandfather's name or where they came from or 
what they look like in a hundred years from 1865 to 1965. A few of us have became millionaires. A few of us have purchased homes, got good jobs, raised families. But in 4,000 years, have we really came a long way? Our beginning started from the 13th Amendment. I'm gonna leave you with two little thoughts. Please learn the truth. Wherever you live in this country, indigenous people live there first. Whatever city you call home was first populated by tribes. In essence, this entire country was built on an Indian burial ground. Pay your respects. And lastly, when the missionaries arrived, the Africans had the land and the missionaries had the Bible. They taught us how to pray with our eyes closed. When we opened them, they had the land and we had the Bible. This is Black History Moments and I am Bo. And until next time, I am honored.